0: Hope your day is going well. It is Thursday, and I got a bunch of emails today, and they're longer emails. So instead of just dicking around like I normally do, let's get to the emails. Now, the first one comes from Jen. Jen, you know, because she sent emails before. She's been on the show before with her husband, Ted. And this is what she wrote. She wrote, Mike, as I type this email, they have yet to make an announcement regarding the student loan plan. I'm one of the ones that went to school later in life after kids. We had to live off student loans to keep paying the bills. So yes, as a medical professional, I owe almost $100,000. Biden ran on the premise that he would help with the repayment of these outrageous loans. I don't make the big bucks even though I'm in the medical field. In fact, I'm in an area that pays lower than the national average. I'm pissed it's taken this long to make a decision. The extensions have certainly helped out. But why bother with 10K? That's fucking peanuts. If nothing else why can't the interest rates be lowered on these damn loans mine are 678% which is fucking ridiculous when i obtained the loans they were less than 1 to 2% How is one supposed to pay a $1,000 a month and get ahead, especially when going to school late in life, but also these kids starting off at entry-level positions and having to pay those rates? I will also add we have three kids that we put through college, all master level, and they have zero student loan department because we paid for them. So me having loans was so we could do that for them. I know this email will get a lot of I paid my loans back comments, but these are different times with inflation and now interest rates out the roof. I hope by the time you read this, Biden has done the right thing and not succumb to political pressure. Sad thing is, I haven't even heard talk of lowering the interest rates on these loans. So I don't expect that will be part of the plan. And of course, Jen is the one that always sends these hashtags as well. First one is, hashtag, I will be paying until I die. Hashtag, I will never be able to retire. Hashtag, Biden needs to buck up. Hashtag, naysayers stand down. Well, Jan, as you know, I've talked about this before on the podcast, and I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, There's a lot more to consider when it comes to these uh, student loans. And uh, I did a TikTok about it. I've done a couple of TikToks over the months, but I did one yesterday and I got the people that came and say, well, I paid my student loans. They should pay their student loans, too. But this is so typical of the average American. Not thinking beyond the end of their nose. They don't understand the big picture. It's all about what do I get? Why don't I get this? It's all very selfish and very self centered. But unfortunately, when you do that, you're going to get your ass kicked too. I've stated the same thing uh, that you stated in this note. There is a bigger picture here. Now, when I went to college, short time, I didn't finish college. It was maybe 1500 bucks a year to go to the University of Minnesota. That's a lot of money for the time, but it wasn't re- ridiculous. Now, in the years after that, since my kids were going to college, um, it got way more expensive. In fact, the Education business is a lot like the medical business. They get greedy. They are charging ridiculous prices. And then you throw the insurance companies or the loan companies in between, and they make it worse. And they make it all untenable. Nobody can afford to pay back $100,000. Jen, you'll probably never pay that $100,000 back um, because I know you're close to my age. Here's the thing. We have a bigger problem ahead of us than whether or not kids pay back their student loans. We boomers are kind of fading out here. We're going to retire. So our economy is going to be driven by millennials and Gen Zs, maybe some younger Gen Xers. Now these people are the ones that are going to have to keep this economy going. And when I say that, what I mean is they're going to have to buy houses. They're going to have to buy new cars. They're going to have to go on trips. They're going to have to be consumers. But if you've saddled them with debt that they can't afford, how the fuck are they going to buy a house? How are they going to buy the new cars? And if they don't buy the houses and the new cars and spend all the discretionary money and go on trips and those sorts of things, what does that do to our economy? It fucks up our economy. Now, you don't have to be a genius to understand that, but you got to think a little bit outside of your fucking self. I've got a granddaughter who's two years old. And at this point, she's a smart kid. But at this point, going to college for the sake of going to college makes no financial sense. None. Now. As Jen said, she didn't know exactly what was going to go down with this student loan forgiveness. And I've got a story coming up and I'll explain that all to you very shortly. But at this point, why would you go to college, spend anywhere from forty dollars to $100,000 or more to get a job making $30,000 and then continually have people Hold you down and don't allow you to make the kind of money you need to pay this shit back. It makes no fucking sense. I mean, if this is how it's going to continue, here's what I would suggest I would suggest that we do, um, we, we, we convince kids not to go to college. There are options now, there are ways you can get certifications online, get you in the computer business, IT, whatever. You can make a lot of money doing that. And you don't have to go to college and spend a shitload of money. Or how about trade schools? We've got a real problem with trade schools because there aren't enough tradesmen and tradeswomen out there. Try to get a plumber or an electrician. It takes two months to get them here because kids aren't doing that. They're going to get their four-year degree and Whatever. For example, my son got his four-year degree in English. Now, to be perfectly honest with you, it's worked out well for him. He's got a good job. He's doing fine. But for the average Joe, for the average person, I wouldn't suggest getting an English degree. If you're going to spend the money to get a degree, get something specific. Now, of course, doctors and lawyers and people like that need to get college degrees. But the average idiot like me didn't need to go to college to go try to get journalism. You know, my goal was to get in the media business. I quit school after one year, and I've spent the last 40 years in the media business. I'm not saying college is a bad thing. It's a great thing. I wanted my kids to go to college, and they created a debt of about 40000 bucks apiece, maybe on the lower end of what colleges cost. And I'll be honest with you, my wife and I paid those because we wanted to give our kids a good platform to jump off of so that they can go into the world and and do some good things. And it was kind of selfish, too, because once those kids jumped off, I didn't want those motherfuckers coming back and living off me for the rest of their life. I wanted them to be successful. So that's why we did what we did. But not everybody can do that. And going to college and incurring this debt makes no fucking sense. It makes no sense. Some things have to change dramatically about our medical practice, our medical uh, care, and our college and university situation. I've said before that uh, higher education should be free. And people say, well, why should that be? Who's going to pay for it? They always say, who's going to pay for it? Well, I'll tell you who's going to pay for it. The motherfucking rich people and corporations that don't pay taxes now. They're going to start paying their fair share, and then we can offer these sorts of things. And then they'll say, why should we have education for free? Well, everybody fucking else does. And listen, we've got a pandemic or an epidemic in this country of stupid. We've got people that don't know shit This country can only get stronger if we've got a lot more smart people. And if we want to get smarter people, we want to make sure that they can get educated. It's simple as that. Jen, I feel for you. I feel for you. And uh, it's a sad thing. You're going to work every day trying to help people out. And you've got to deal with this huge debt. Now, Joe Biden did do something. Um. And we'll talk about that in a minute. I have another problem with the ultimate uh, answer that Joe Biden came up with in order to uh, uh, give this loan forgiveness. I'm not real happy about how it turned out. It's maybe a little better than I thought it was, but I think it's kind of an empty gesture. And I'll tell you why in a little bit. Let's go to the uh, next email. This one is coming Uh, from a reoccurring listener. Don't know what that means. Hello, Mike. Thanks again for doing your podcast. Love the content. I have some things that I'm concerned about and want your input. Hearing about CNN taking a right-wing turn has given me some concerns. Not that I watch CNN, but I used to in the past until Donald Trump. I saw how sensationalism and clicks were more important to them than the truth. I'm concerned because this will contribute to giving Republicans yet another platform to twist and turn the truth and radicalize more Americans like. Fox News has done. Do you think if the Democrats win the midterms, they'll pass any legislation to reel in these networks and social media? I'm for free speech, but it's scary how the right-wing rhetoric has broken the minds of many in this country. Do you also think Democrats will do anything about the out-of-control campaign finance fundraising? Millionaires and corporations can dump any amount of money into candidates and get what they want, leaving us with the crumbs. The rich don't care about all the rights they're being taken away from us or about people being able to afford housing or having medical insurance. I can go on and on. I'm just saddened how the corporations and the wealthy are willing to let people of this country suffer as long as they have all the money and power they need. This country has helped them get to where they are, and this is how they want to repay its people? Very disheartening. Thank you, reoccurring listener. Couldn't agree more. I got to be honest with you, I'm immensely disappointed with CNN. I rarely watch them. If I do watch them, it's just to get like a cue on stories that might be hot at the time. But then I turn it off and I go dig and look for what the real facts are. Because CNN is turning into essentially Fox Lite. And they've always been ones that want to deal with the clickbait and stir shit up, be shit stirs. I've always said that about CNN to a certain extent, and even MSNBC sometimes. We have a real problem in the media. Um, And will the Democrats do anything to fix that? I, I, I don't know. But I will tell you this, because everything that the media does has nothing to do with news and everything to do with making money. As the Republicans crash and burn in the midterms and through to 2024, when there's no longer any money or any audience for these Republican red meat-eating pieces of shit, they will change. They won't be any better than they were, but they won't be focusing on those things that are heavy trump because there'll be no money in it. So, you know, we have to deal with what we have to deal with the media. Frankly, the reason I do what I do here is because of the media. I think the media is doing a disservice to this country and to its people. And some of us who have the ability to do something like this need to stand up and speak the truth and hopefully gain an audience where you can send some messages and get some real information out there. Now, as far as the campaign fundraising, the campaign finance within um, politics, you're absolutely right. That is the absolute bane of our politics it is one of the biggest problems with politics as long as big money is in politics we're fucked now will the democrats do something to take that out of it well they say they will and uh, i'd like to take them at their word they say they're going to do a lot of things and let's be perfectly honest if they win the midterms they will be in a position to do all those things but will they That's the question. I mean, because I've said this before, as much as I hate the Republicans right now because they're a dumpster fire. If we look back over the decades, there are plenty of complaints to be laid against the Republicans and the Democrats. What is going to happen when the Democrats have the majority of the power? Are they going to keep behaving like they are now, or are they just doing that now because they need that to beat the Republicans? Once they have some room to breathe and they have some power, will they still be as adamant about helping the middle class? I hope so. But I'm not convinced they will, because there's no reason to trust any politician, regardless of what their fucking party is. So what I'm going to tell you here is what we need to do. You know how I come on TikTok, and you know I come on uh, the podcast here, and I'm very hard on the Republicans. I'm pressing them all the time in hopes that you'll pick up on that and press people, and they'll press people, and that we can cause a ripple in society. But if the Democrats win in the midterms, and they have a vast majority in the House and the Senate, we need to stay on their shit. Be prepared when Donald Trump is gone and done when the trump are gone and done, I guarantee you I will be all over the shit of the Democrats, making sure that they do what they say they're going to do and not resting on their laurels once they have power. Because trust me, that's a distinct possibility. So what you have to remember is people like me, people like you, people like people you know, we still have got to keep pushing. We still have to keep our thumbs on their heads because we can't trust them to do what, what is right if they don't have to. So are the Democrats going to do the right thing? Are they going to deal with campaign finance? Are they going to get rid of the filibuster? Are they going to get more relief for student loans? Are they going to do all these things? Well, if you look at them now, you would think, yeah, sure, they're going to do that. But will they? I'm hoping against hope they do. But I don't trust fucking anybody, nobody. So we need to put out the dumpster fire, meaning the Republicans and Donald Trump. But then we need to get in the shit of the Democrats to make sure they know we're watching and we are going to pull some triggers and shut them down if they don't continue to do what they're supposed to do. I don't know if that answers your question, but that's all I've got. All right. This one comes from Aaron. I don't think he's written an email before. In fact, I know he hasn't. Uh, Howdy, Mike. It's my turn to tell you how appreciative I am of your TikToks and your podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you for being an interesting, reliable source and commentator. I've started several emails to you this year, but never finished any, let alone sent them. I never felt like I had anything to add to the conversation, so I stopped thinking when you see something that sparks rational boomer in your head, you'll know it. Well, I found it. I came across this earlier. I don't know who needs to hear this, but if you have a problem with student debt cancellation, because you already paid off your loans, just pretend it's a tax cut for big corporations that you also never got, but mysteriously didn't complain about. I want you to know, I want to know your thoughts on this. Is this a left- leaning what I think loud lefties are just as guilty when it comes to this, even if they put it more eloquently than the mango Mussolini mob. I also think the retort might have missed the point. it doesn't affect these people. they paid their debts, so this gain for others does not tangibly change their lives, as I pointed out earlier it. Does if they look beyond the end of their nose? On top of that, I got some cognitive dissonance showing up because I believe some reparations are appropriate due to discrimination and its generational wealth impact. I recognize there's a need to help people who were affected by scheming universities, just like those impacted by scheming shitty white people. Help me, Obi Mike Kenobi. <laughs> I'm 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 <laughs> I'm I'm not a. Uh... I'm not a uh, sci-fi fan. I get the reference. I, I appreciate that. You're my only hope, LOL, Aaron. Yeah. As I've said before, you know, people look at this as, what do I get? How come I'm not getting anything? Sometimes you have to look at the bigger picture, and it's going to help you in the long run. I'll give you an example. Say you're a boomer like me. You spend 30 years paying for your house. Your house is virtually paid off, and now you're looking to that house to be part of your retirement. You want to live good in retirement, and you've got a lot of money wrapped in the house. You're going to sell that house and help you live a better life when you are retired. Well, here's the problem. Millennials and Gen Zers are going to be driving this economy. They are going to be the people who buy houses and cars and spend money, like I said earlier. If you have a house that you want to sell, you want to get top dollar, of course. But if the only people in a position to want to buy your house happen to be millennials or Gen Zers who are enslaved to debt, saddled with debt, and either can't qualify for a house or can't afford a house, guess what happens? You people who say, well, I didn't get my loans paid off, your house is going to drop in value significantly if nobody can buy it or fewer people can buy it. So you got to think ahead a little bit. You got to think a fucking head. And, and Aaron, I appreciate you uh, sending the email, but I want to tell you and I want to tell everybody never think that I don't have anything to say or it's not important what I say. I can sit in my living room and spend an hour talking to a two-year-old and not know what she's saying half the time, but enjoy it in, in a greater amount than you can imagine. There is nobody in my audience that doesn't have a perspective, a point of view that I don't want to know about. If I want to do this podcast better and better every day, every week, every month, I need to know what my audience is about. Whether you're super smart or just average intelligence, um, it doesn't matter. Your perspective, your perception is important. It's important to me and it's important to this country. Too many people think their perceptions and their opinions of things aren't important. That is a huge mistake and that's where we get apathy from and that's why politicians grab the money, grab the power and walk all over us. Never stop talking. Never stop giving opinions. Don't worry about what other people think of your opinions because they don't fucking matter. So if you're thinking about something, um, by all means, send it to me. Email me at rationalboomer at com. And you're absolutely right, Aaron. As much as we have a problem with the far right trumplifux, there are some problems with the way far wacky left. I've said this before. Say it again. I think anybody who's fanatical about anything is a little fucked in the head. If you don't have enough common sense to see both sides of a situation and find yourself someplace reasonably in the middle based on what you know and you're blinded by the fact that it's got to be way left or it's got to be way right, you're missing the point. You're really not in touch with what's going on. So, Aaron, thanks for your uh, email. I appreciate it. Okay, this one comes from Jamie of New Hampshire. Hi Mike, I'm listening to your podcast with my boyfriend Billy. We are the one where you we're on the one where you're talking about guns. Don't even remember. That's a funny thing you have to understand about doing podcasts. I do enough of these podcasts. If you said, "What what did you talk about 2 podcasts ago?" Fucking no idea. I don't know. I'm talking at the time, I'm thinking at the time and then I move on to the next thing. One of the most embarrassing things in my career was being a traffic reporter, (laughs) watching, (laughs) watching the traffic and then reporting the traffic just as I watch it. And then somebody come up to me later. What did you say in that last report? Fucking no clue. It got so bad that I would watch traffic and it would be the last report of the day. And I say, oh, look, there's a crash on XYZ Highway backing things up to uh, two miles back. It's backing up. It's a horror. Don't go that way. And then I go outside, get in my car, and drive right in that fucking backup because I'm not paying attention to myself. <laughs> I kind of go um, free form when I'm talking. I don't write a lot of this stuff down. I write facts and figures. I'll take stories to give me information. But uh, usually it's coming um Free form here. I'm just I'm just talking based on what I know and what I'm thinking. Anyway, I digress. Uh, Jamie goes on says you did mention that there are a lot of shitty parents out there. You are so right. And. The quote was that I think 99% of all the bad things in this country can be traced back to shitty parents. I stand by that. My kid's father is one. He took me to court after he kicked me out years ago and lied to the judge. Let's say he got custody when he's an addict. He let my youngest daughter run around sleeping at friends' houses. He let her smoke weed and vape. Now he's doing the same thing for my son, who is 17. I can say that my son is the last to graduate, and he has a girlfriend, which helps him get out of the house sometimes. I can say that my kids will hopefully never end up unemployed, addicted thugs. Their father has been unemployed for years. He is addicted to pills. My kids know he's a pillhead. My girls' ages are 24 and twenty. Our graduates, my oldest, Alicia, graduated from Plymouth State University in New Hampshire, took her six years instead of four, but I'm proud of her for sticking it out. It wasn't her father being a good parent, all right? I had to talk her into going back to school when she quit the second half of her 10th grade year because she started giving him his karma and he threatened to put her in jail. Sounds like a wonderful fucking guy. See, she quit school because I had to grab her for a week, then turn around the next day after dropping her back off for another week. She lost too many days of school and had anxiety, so she quit. I did not want her to be like him, so I had her go right to college after graduating from high school. Thank you for your podcast. Billy and I are catching up on them. Thank you, Jamie Y of New Hampshire. Well, thank you, Jamie. I can appreciate the difficulties and problems you dealt with there. Uh, It all does go back to uh, shitty parents. And it's a hard situation when you've got one good parent and one bad parent, especially when you're separated or divorced, and this kid spends alone time with the bad parent. I can't imagine how difficult that would be. It's tough enough To raise kids, but in a circumstance like that, it's got to be untenable. The most important job we have is raising our kids. I told my wife one time, I said, uh, You know, you can think of all the problems. Were we successful enough? Did we do all the things we did? I said, If nothing else, we have two sons that we raised to adulthood, got them through college, got them into jobs. They're independent and doing all the things the right way. Fortunately, they never got into drugs. Uh, they did drink a touch, but we got through that. That's something every young man does to a certain extent. And sometimes you got to have a parent say, listen, motherfucker, slow down. And I could relate to him because I was one of those young guys who probably drank too much, got to a point and said, fuck it, I got to stop. Nonetheless, you get your kids through a whole life and off on their own. And at least you can sit back and say, look, if I didn't do anything else in my lifetime, I did my job raising my children. I got them through the toughest years. I kept them safe, kept them relatively out of trouble, got them through school, and was able to push them out of the nest and let them fend for themselves. If you can do that, That is the greatest success you could ever achieve. I don't care how much money you make. I don't care what kind of job you have. I don't care about any of that. The fact that you successfully raised kids to go out on their own and be independent, you did your job. And you did a good job. And that's all you can hope for. Once they're out the door, they're kind of on their own. They're adults. They're doing what they have to do. Now for me and my wife, you know, we're gonna always be there for our kids and our grandkids should they ever need us. Unfortunately, we may be in a position to help them. And I always will. And people say, You you can't do that. Fuck you. I can do whatever I want. Um when, when my kids were very young, our kids were in daycare because both my wife and I worked. And uh there were some people who would say Oh, that's not good for them. They'll turn out badly, and they would sit home and stay with their kids at home. And I always said to my wife, I said, look, man, the proof is in the pudding. She said, what the fuck does that mean? I said, you can say how to raise kids. You can say what's right or wrong. But the uh, end game is, how do the kids turn out? Well, now a lot of kids that stayed at home with mom were put in front of a TV set and did nothing. Or my kids who went to daycare, who actually had a curriculum, had some socialization, and when they got in school, they were ahead of the game. Now, while some people don't like daycare, and that's fine, for my wife and I, we had to do it. And fortunately, we were smart enough to pick out a good daycare provider and also support those kids when they weren't with the daycare provider by reading to them all the time and taking care of them and making them the priority. You got to do all those things. And that's not the funnest thing in the world. When you're young people and you go party and have fun all the time, and then all of a sudden you have kids, you feel like you're you're, uh, locked down and that the fun is over. Well, I got news for you. It is. It's fucking over because your priority is that kid. But I got some good news for you. As an old man now of 62, my kids are out on their own. My wife and I are having as much fun or more fun than we ever had. We're probably not drinking as much. I don't drink at all. But we're traveling and having fun. If you decide to have kids, you're in for the long haul. You made that commitment, fucking do it. And if you've got a, a, a co-parent that's not doing his job, that all that means is you got to pick up the slack. It's not like it's an option. Your job is to get those kids from 0 to 22 and out on their own. And if you can do that, you're a success. And I'll tell you right now, it's a motherfuck of a job. It's a tough job. But there are a lot of people that do do it. And, uh, Jamie, I'm, I'm proud of the fact that uh, in spite of all the difficulties that were thrown at you in this process that you were able to accomplish that and uh, be a success so jamie if you look at your life and like all of us we have problems you can know this as a parent you were a success you fucking won and congratulations all right let's take a quick break we'll talk about this uh deal that uh joe biden announced today and hopefully we'll get a little better explanation of what's happening there'll be more coming over time but uh, we'll take a quick break and we will be right back families have a lot going on let ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up like delicious lolly focus pops or lolly mellow pops for kids and for parents try three new brainy chews to help you focus chill out or get energized Find these Cognitive Health Buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. All right. The big news of yesterday was Joe Biden finally announced his decision on the student loan forgiveness. Now, this has been going on for fucking months and months and months and months. They keep pushing the goalposts back. They put a moratorium on payments for student loans, and then they extend it, and then they extend it, and then they extend it. We've been waiting to find out what is going to happen, and we've heard a lot of different things. Now, when Joe Biden first started talking about this, he says, yeah, I don't feel comfortable about giving any more than $10,000 in loan forgiveness. And, of course, the uh, progressives were saying, no, it's got to be 50000 if it's going to have any impact. And they went on and on and back and forth. We presumed that to be the case. We presumed that there was some kind of negotiation going on. But when it came down to it, after all of these months, it looks like there wasn't a lot of movement. Because what Joe Biden announced was that uh, he was forgiving $10,000. Uh, loan forgiveness for student loans. And if you have Pell Grants, which is a little different situation, those grants went to kids that had financial issues and those sorts of things. Uh, My kids wouldn't have fallen into that, so it wouldn't have affected me. But if you had a Pell Grant, you would get $20,000 forgiven. Okay. Okay. And as I've told you previously, I think a $10,000 loan forgiveness is bullshit. I think it is an empty gesture. I don't think it addresses the problems they're trying to address. And as I told you before, you know, this is going to put millennials in a bad situation. Um, As time goes by and they start taking over the country and they start Pushing This economy, if they're all indebted, enslaved in debt, then there's going to be problems. Now granted, giving $10,000 forgiveness, that's a lot of money. But that doesn't really change much. In my mind, all that really does is, you know, under normal situations, these kids would be play, paying their student loans until they're in their 50s. So you take 10000 off, and now you're only paying into your 40s. So you still have the uh, payments. You still have the issues with the interest and all that sort of stuff. You're still expending this money when money's tight already. Now, I will say... As I've read more and more about this uh, this program that Joe Biden mentioned, I feel a little bit better about it, but I still think $10,000 was pointless. I mean, if you're going to do that, you could have got away with just canceling all interest and uh, some other adjustments, and you would accomplish the same thing. Nonetheless, I'm glad he gave the $10,000 and the $20,000 to the Pell Grants. Now, Biden also announced a continuation of the freeze on student loan payments until January. The payments were originally paused by President Donald Trump in response to the coronavirus pandemic, and Biden had previously extended it until August 31st. Roughly 45 million student loan buyers collectively owe $1.6 trillion dollars. As many as 43 million borrowers could benefit from the plan, the White House said Wednesday, and 20 million could see their debt completely canceled. That's probably true. I want you to think about something. They said roughly 45 million student loan borrowers collectively owe $1.6 trillion. Wow, that's a lot of money. And if you were to forgive all those loans, that's crazy. That would be a lot of money. And you could understand why people would grouse about that. But think about this. During Donald Trump's reign in the White House, he gave a tax credit to the rich to the tune of $2 trillion. And you know what everybody said about that? They didn't say fucking jack shit about that. That's okay. Give the rich a free ride. But don't give those kids that are enslaved in debt that are going to hurt our economy when they can't afford to buy anything. You see, it's all about perspective. When you say $1.6 trillion, that's a lot of money. But when you say you already gave $2 trillion to the rich people that don't need the fucking money, that paints a little different picture, don't you agree? Now, people can start to finally crawl out from under that mountain of debt to get on top of their rent and utilities to finally think about buying a home or starting a family or starting a business, Biden said in his remarks at the White House. I disagree. I don't think Biden did anything here as far as making it easier for them to buy homes or buy cars or whatever. They still have their payments. Now, there is some relief they're going to get in addition. And by the way, when this happens, the whole economy is better off. No shit, Joe, that's what I just said. But what I'm also saying is what you did is not enough. Only student borrowers who also receive Pell Grants, which are awarded based on need, would be eligible for the full $20,000 in debt cancellation. Administration officials said 60% of borrowers also receive Pell Grants, meaning many could get the full relief. Borrowers, why can't I say that word? Borrow borrowers, wow! I talk for a living, for Christ's sake. The people who borrow, who didn't receive Pell grants, could have up to ten thousand of debt canceled. Now, nearly ninety percent of relief dollars will go to those earning less than seventy-five thousand dollars a year, and no one in the top five percent of incomes in America will get a single dollar of relief. The White House is also proposing significant changes to income-based repayment plans offered by the federal government, including a lower payment cap, making it easier to achieve full forgiveness and preventing balances from growing as long as uh, uh, the, 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 the students make payments, which could have massive benefits for students in the future. Now, the White House said the debt cancellation will apply only to those earning less than $125,000 annually. The positive impacts of this move will be felt by families across the country, particularly in minority communities, and is the single most effective action that the president can take on his own to help working families and the economy. That is a quote from Senator Elizabeth Warren. Now, you know that Elizabeth Warren wanted it to be more. The decision has been anticipated for Biden's entire presidency amid a tug of war over the ideal scope of relief and whether it would overly benefit well-off college graduates. Biden has said his legal authority to cancel debt was questionable. He initially said it was something Congress should do, and they could still do it. Now, keep in mind, this is what Joe Biden did. This is basically an executive order. He's signing his name to something, and it's done. So if the Democrats do get a wider margin in the House and the Senate after the midterms, theoretically, they could come back and, through Congress, give them that full $50,000 off. That is possible. Now, progressive Democrats such as Elizabeth Warren urge Biden to go big and eliminate $50,000 worth of student debt per per student, an idea Biden ruled out in April. Warren, Warren, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, and Senator Raphael Warnock, who is facing a tough re-election bid this fall, have repeatedly met with Biden to push this idea. And this is where my problem with Biden comes in. Biden's too old. He's too old school. He's thinking like an old Democrat. We're in different times now, different situations. We need a younger mind to think outside the box and address these situations. As I say, $10,000 is nice, but you could have easily fixed the problem in a big way and also gotten a shitload of millennial and Gen Z votes come the midterms and in 2024. But he was tentative. He said, well, I don't know if we should do that because of this, because of that. That's not what this country needs anymore. And I'll tell you this. This one choice by Joe Biden may affect him should he decide to run in 2024. I don't honestly think he will. I don't honestly think he should. He is serving his time now. He's doing what he's doing. He's been very successful. I'm happy he's president, but going on into the future, we need a younger mind. With the flick of a pen, President Biden has taken a giant step forward in addressing the student debt crisis by canceling significant amounts of student debt for millions of students. Warren and Schumer said in a joint statement on Wednesday, the positive impact of this move will be felt by families across the country, particularly in minority communities and in this single most effective action that the president can take on his own to help working families and the economy. Now, here's what you need to know. What Joe Biden did was the biggest relief ever given to students, ever. I mean, when you look at what Joe Biden's done, as much as I don't think he's the right guy going on 2024 and beyond, you have to say he's been very successful. He's got the infrastructure, the COVID relief, the Inflation Reduction Act, the the CHIP Act, the uh, PACT Act. This guy has passed more bills in two years than any other president in history. And you know what? His polls are going up. And I told you this before. Here's what I believe is going to happen. Let me just say something, too. In the last podcast, I said what I thought was going to happen. I thought that they would come up with a figure somewhere between fifty and $10,000. I also said I could be wrong. And let's acknowledge... That guess of mine was wrong. It didn't happen that way. I guess I was doing some wishful thinking, but I was wrong. I thought it'd be more like 20 or 25,000, somewhere in between. They'd come to some kind of compromise. But apparently the progressives and Joe Biden really didn't negotiate much because all we did is what Joe Biden said he wanted to do in the fucking first place. Forgive me for giving the (laughs) Congress a little too much credit. Anyway that's beside the point. We have what we have. And as I say when once we get a different congress, hopefully wider democratic margins in the House and Senate, they can address this issue again. And they should address the issue of med- medical care as well. People in this country are being literally financially raped by the medical profession. And insurance companies, the uh, education business, and the loan companies. Every step of the way, these people are essentially ransacking everybody out there. They're holding them up by their ankles and shaking all the money out of their pockets and taking as much as they can have. Our education Business and our medical business are greedy motherfuckers. I'm sorry to say that, and I know there's some people that work in the medical profession, but I've experienced it myself, and you've experienced it yourself. Something's got to be done to pull this back. You don't get to have people running medical organizations making $20 billion a fucking year. That's not what it's about. Education and medical should be for helping people. Money shouldn't be a factor when somebody's sick and they need help. This country is in dire need of smarter people. You know, (laughs) if you're going to have a flood in a town, what does the government do? They get a bunch of people together, they get some sandbags, and they put them up so there's not as much flooding. The government does something about it. In this country, we have a lot of uneducated, dumb people—people people who aren't doing the, tr- aren't involved in the trades—and it's hurting this country. So this is a crisis too. So if this country has a crisis, let's not worry about what it costs. How about just saving us from the fucking crisis? And that's about an uneducated, stupid fucking country. Now, a lot of us are fairly intelligent, but there's a high percentage of people we've found out since Donald Trump became president that are fucking stupid. We need to do something to fix that, and that's on our government to take care of. Our government needs to take uh a heavier hand when it comes to the cost of medical care, the cost of education, and then these middlemen, these loan companies, and these insurance companies raping us. A government has to protect us. That's their fucking job. So once we get past these midterms, as I said before, we need to lean on the Democrats, assuming they have the power, because they got some work ahead of them. They're not done by just winning the midterms. If they are going to do the job they are hired for, We need to lean on them because I don't necessarily count on the fact they'll just do it because they're smart, good people. All right. The Justice Department has released a long sought legal memo arguing that then President Donald Trump's actions during special counsel Robert Mueller's Trump Russia investigation did not warrant prosecution for obstruction of justice, even if a president was susceptible to criminal charges while in office. Now, in the nine-page memo disclosed Wednesday, two of the most senior officials in the Justice Department advised then Attorney General William Barr that Trump's threat to fire Mueller and his various public and private outbursts against witnesses he viewed as hostile or unhelpful to him didn't amount to the sort of case prosecutors would bring under their established standards. Now, having reviewed the report in light of the government legal principles and principles of federal prosecution, we concluded that none of those instances would warrant a prosecution for obstruction of justice without regard to the constitutional constraint on bringing such an action against a sitting president. The Assistant Attorney General for the Office of Legal Counsel Stephen Engel and Principal Associate Deputy Attorney General Edward O'Callaghan wrote in March twenty-four of 2019 now the Justice Department fought release of the memo for years arguing that it was part of a deliberative process advising Barr on what to do in response to Mueller's report however judges concluded that at the time the memo was written Barr had already decided not to charge Trump so the issues hashed out in the memo were theoretical and not linked to any pending decision Citizens for Responsibility and and Ethics in Washington, a liberal watchdog group, filed suit under the Freedom of Information Act three years ago in an effort to make the memo public. The Justice Department lost the first round in the access case in front of a district court judge who ruled that the agency's claims that the memo was part of some kind of charging decision was disingenuous because the decision had already been made. On appeal, department lawyers changed course and argued that the memo helped shape the public statements Barr would give to explain why he concluded the evidence was insufficient to support a criminal charge, even if Trump were not president. However, a D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals panel ruled last week that the argument about the memo being part of deliberations around a communication effort was surfaced too belatedly to be considered. Now, the Justice Department had the option to ask the full bench of the D.C. Circuit to rehear the case or to seek review at the Supreme Court, but officials indicated Wednesday that they decided to pass up on those options. In the memo that triggered the disclosure fight, Engel and O'Callaghan concluded that Trump. Trump's conduct primarily reflected a frustration with the Mueller probe and what he perceived to be politics behind it, as well as news reports they said Trump genuinely believed were flawed. They're also suggested that Trump's exhortations to some of his top allies against flipping were meant to prevent them from delivering false testimony, not to conceal the truth. See, this is what they do with Donald Trump. It's all smoke and mirrors, all bullshit. The fact of the matter is, Attorney General Barr did everything to gloss that over, to cover it up. Robert Mueller, in no uncertain terms, while he was testifying, said that Donald Trump would not be indicted while he's sitting as president because of some memo in the DOJ years ago. But when asked, could he be charged or indicted after he is no longer president, Mueller very clearly said, yes, he could. But still, Barr trying to uh, couch the issue and cover up the issue, in my mind, was was uh, committing a crime when he did that. And I guess we'll see if there's any kind of pursuit of Of uh, William Barr in this situation, but that just goes to show how corrupt and criminal and bullshit the Trump administration was. We know Trump committed 10 cases of obstruction of justice that we saw in the Mueller report. That is illegal. On any terms. And if you keep telling us that no one is above the law. Well then Donald Trump should be indicted and investigated. For those obstructions of justice. Ten times. While he was in office. At least ten times. This is just about the Russia probe. That doesn't count half the other fucking bullshit he's done. Now. One of the things about Donald Trump is. As well as being stupid. He's fucking oblivious. Absolutely oblivious. Former President Donald Trump said he doesn't understand why he can't have classified and top-secret documents that were seized from Mar-a-Lago by the FBI, according to the report. There is a law, the Presidential Records Act. Top-secret documents have to be kept in a skiff. He was asked for these documents by the uh, National Archives. He was asked for these documents by the FBI. He gave some documents but hid other documents. And then they did a search warrant to get these documents out of there. These are some of the top, top secret documents that have to do with, with nuclear weapons and uh, maybe some strategies in dealing with adversarial countries. Now, when he took these out of there, the question has to be answered, why? Why? Well, the only possible answer to that question is so he can grift on it or so he can use them to show off because he's a fucking child. But still, still after all this, as much trouble as he's in now, he can't understand, he can't comprehend why he shouldn't have top secret records. This is a man that was president of the United States. He can't comprehend something as simple as that. A source told the Wall Street Journal that Trump wants the FBI to return about two dozen boxes that include 11 sets of classified information. He has said, people put this stuff in their library. How can they put it in their library if it has to go back to the archives? I don't understand why I can't have these things, the source says, because you're a stupid motherfucker. That's why. The search of Trump's Mar-a-Lago estate came after the former president refused to return documents belonging to the National Archives. Trump has claimed he declassified all the documents, but has not presented any evidence of declassification. (laughs) He said, first, there's nothing here. Then he said they planted it. Then he said, "Uh, I declassified it. Donald Trump can't even keep up with his own lies. I mean, it's almost pitiful to hear the things he says. Nobody believes it. Nobody is, is, is going to see it his way. It's, just, it's frightening to know how absolutely ignorant this guy was as President of the United States. And what's even more amazing is that there are people out there Today, after all that's come to pass, people today that still think he's fucking brilliant think he's playing 3D chess. (laughs) I don't think this fucker can play 1D chess. He's not smart enough. All right. um, Did you hear about this story (laughs) about Marjorie Taylor Greene being swatted? You know what that means? Now that's not some kinky thing that uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene's into. Uh, Swatting refers to the act of calling in a false report to emergency services in an attempt to get an armed SWAT team to respond to a location. Taylor told Fox 5 Atlanta that the incident was traumatizing. I don't care what political party you are. This is evil. This is not okay. And I will find out who swatted my house and I will do everything in my power to bring them to justice. What are you going to plan a fucking bomb? Floyd County Police Department Assistant Chief Tom Ewing said they responded to a call. We responded and there was nothing. Green posted the announcement on Twitter and said it happened just after 1 a.m. So what happened is somebody doesn't like Marjorie Taylor Greene. So they called in this serious event going out at her house and they sent the SWAT team out there. And uh, <clears throat> it probably scared the shit out of her, which is fine. It's ironic that she would be so upset about a SWAT team coming to her house, yet she's cool with thousands of people going attacking our United States Capitol. It's weird. I don't know how she can be afraid of one and and think the other is such a wonderful thing. She went on to say, Last night I was swatted just after 1 a.m. I'd love to swat that bitch. I can't express enough gratitude to my local law enforcement here in Rome, Floyd County. More details to come. Conservatives quickly responded and demanded justice. Alec Brusiewicz wrote, Whoever did this to Rep- 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 Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene needs to be funnest to the fullest extent of the law. This is horrific and incredibly dangerous. A reporter for the Blaze, Elijah Schaefer, replied, They are trying to get MTG killed. Brian Glenn shared Green's tweet and wrote, Very thankful for the local law enforcement there in Rome. Whoever did this will face the consequences of the full extent of the law. Good luck catching them, bitch. But you see, that's that's the fucking thing here. They're upset because she was swatted because she's a fucking nutcase and says some horrible things. She's getting a response from people. But yet she can say that the insurrection was not a big deal. These poor people are in jail. They're treating them horribly. But you come to Marjorie Taylor Greene's house with a SWAT team, and it's the most egregious, horrible, abhorrent thing that anything has ever fucking happened. Marjorie, I'm sorry. I don't feel bad for you. In fact, I take a little joy in knowing that your life was fucked up for a couple of hours at one point. All right, the last thing I want to talk about is the Uvalde, Texas situation. You remember the shooting, 19 children killed, two adults killed. The Uvalde School District's embattled police chief was fired Wednesday following allegations that he made several critical mistakes during the mass shooting at Robb Elementary School that left 19 students and two teachers dead. Yeah, you think? In a unanimous vote, the Uvalde Consolidated Independent School District's Board of Trustees dismissed police chief. Pete Arendando, three months to the day after one of the deadliest classroom shootings in U.S. history. Coward, parents yelled in a Uvalde auditorium as the meeting got underway. They were trying to get it all open in in the public, um, uh, but they did the vote and the debate behind closed doors. When they came out, they said Arrandando is fired, which is the logical thing to do. Now they have to look at the state police because they're just as culpable in this situation. Firing the chief of the Uvalde uh, school police is a good start, but that no way fixes the situation, the problems we have with these school shootings. This is why we have to get a larger majority in the House and the Senate during the midterms. We need to pass some gun laws so that punk kids can't get AR-15s and go shoot up schools. The only option here is to restrict who gets guns, a background check, and stop selling assault rifles. You can't fucking do that. It's clearly not worked. We've had tons and tons of school shootings and absolutely nothing has been done. Oh, yeah, I know Biden and the Democrats and the Republicans passed this recent gun law, but it's not even close to enough to do anything. It's a lot like what Joe Biden did with giving $10,000 loan forgiveness. It looks like you're doing something, but it really doesn't accomplish anything in terms of fixing a problem that you have Both cases are weak attempts, and I would hope for better from the Democrats. And when the Democrats get some power after the midterms, I hope they remember this, whether it be the school loan forgiveness or the gun laws. You need to get on your fucking bicycle and get some shit done. Because if you get the majority of the House and the Senate, the next two years should be busy motherfucking years passing as many things as you can, just in case you get a Republican president in 2024. I don't think that's going to happen. But if you do, you need to make those two years after the midterms fucking count. Get as much stuff pushed through as you possibly can. And and the other thing I will say I said this to Ed when I had him on the show one time Now there's some talk that it looks like the Senate will go to the Democrats and will get a bigger lead in the Senate which should uh make Joe Manchin inconsequential which will be nice But there's still some people that think the House of Representatives will be uh taken over by the Republicans they will take the majority So What I would suggest to Democrats, if they really think that's going to happen prior to the time when uh, Republicans would take over in the House, should that happen, I would pass as many fucking things through that House as you possibly can. So even if the Republicans take over, it's already passed the House. Send it to the Senate and get this shit passed in the next two years. Think ahead, motherfuckers. All right. We're going to wrap things up for the Rational Boomer podcast. I want to thank you very much for taking the time to listen. I think I'm doing a show uh, later today with Ed. I think I'm going to do a show with somebody who is in Australia. Not sure really what that's about. Uh, I know he wrote a book. I'm not really into promoting other people's books, but we'll see what happens. Um, I'm happy to talk to anybody, including... Trumple fucks, but I will tell you this: as much as there have been suggestions, and as much as I put it out there on TikTok and the podcast, haven't got one call yet. Not one motherfucking Trumple has emailed me and said, "Yeah, I'll talk to you." You gutless motherfuckers! I don't even, I don't even expect them to come because they are cowards. All right. Let's wrap things up for the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hope you have a great day, and we will talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.